Visible is a wireless carrier that is not invisible. It is pretty clear from the name, actually, radio waves are invisible. And I can say this with authority as a licensed amateur radio operator. That being said, Visible won't be giving you the power to see light outside the visible spectrum. It's actually way better because having that ability would make getting around very difficult and distracting. What you do get with Visible is unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. You get one line of wireless, just $25 a month, which is great in these times of economic uncertainty. That is one line for $25, taxes and fees included. So whatever you're doing at this moment, please stop. Switch immediately. Now, monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Wir gerne sehen in was ist los. It's dein Freundo Seth. I'm learning German. Yeah, in case you didn't know what that was. That is me trying to impress you with the little German that I know. Right now, I am actually learning German. I took it in high school. I goofed off the entire time. I did some other language learning apps. They taught me things like where the taxi stand is and how to find a bus, um, but not a lot of conversational uh German. Thankfully, that's what Babbel is all about. Babbel teaches you language conversationally, which let's face it, that is what you want to know anyway. I don't know. When I was in school, you learned like how to count. You learned like the colors. You learned the shapes. Those are all important things, but they don't help you when you're in uh, like Cologne, Germany with Ein Nierenstein, which by the way is German for kidney stone, uh, an experience I can unfortunately speak personally to. But I've been using Babbel to learn to speak German again, uh, better than I have before. I actually really like it because it is conversational. It's a little bit more relaxed. One of the things that it does that I really like is it'll sometimes show you what the literal English translation is. And I don't know why, but I find that very helpful in sort of understanding the structure, the grammar of a language and sort of putting myself into that mind space. Since I'm only in Germany for Gamescom, which is like a week, week and a half, I'm not immersed in the German language. I'm not immersed in German culture. So what I do is the second best thing. I'm taking Babbel. Hopefully this year when I go to Germany, I'll be able to impress all the Germans with how much German I know from learning through Babbel. The app has pronunciation recognition, so you'll be able to learn how to speak better with your accent, how to actually properly pronounce the words. That way you won't get made fun of by a, a group of older German men because you said Apfelstrudel and not Apfelstrudel. Um, no, it's really cool. Uh, I'm going to say right now there is a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now you can get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners because you guys are the best ones, by the way, at babbel.com slash realm. Get 60% off at babbel.com slash realm. That is spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash realm. Rules and restrictions may apply. This episode of Nintendo Voice Chat is sponsored by Gamefly. Listen! Welcome to Nintendo Voice Chat, IGN's Nintendo show. My name is Philip Mewson, and today I am joined by Mitchell Saltzman. What's up? Brian Altano. Hello! And Zachary Ryan. Hey, everybody. <laughs> What's going on, everyone? How's your week all going? Solid. Yeah? Solid so far, week. So 10 good. out of 10. You 10 know what? 10? It's my first time on NBC, so I can't complain. We got a first-timer <laughs> here. Hey! Mitchell Saltzman. What's Welcome up? to the show. Thank you. Very Mitchell, good to have you, you here. What do you do around here? Uh, what do I do just in general day-to-day? Yeah. 
yeah. on the live stream. No, I mean, producer. what are you doing oh. on our show? Who invited oh. you? <laughs> <laughs> Why am I here? Uh, I'm the live stream producer at IGN. So whenever there's a live stream, I'm usually the one picking the games, picking the people, and pulling the switches. Except for today, that's other people in there. <laughs> also, <laughs> also, you're an avid Nintendo fan, yes, and you did update our Salt and Sanctuary review for Switch, which yep, we're going to yep. talk a lot about later today. But before we get into the leading topics, let me just go ahead and say real quick that you can catch us first live on IGN every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern, and the following day on YouTube at 3 p.m. Pacific time, 6 p.m. Eastern as well. So make sure you catch us on IGN on Thursdays if you want to see the episode a day early, which I highly recommend because we do a lot of fun stuff here. Uh, so some of the stuff that we're going to be talking about today are, of course, Nintendo's skyrocketing sales within the NPD. Uh, there's a new Labo uh, vehicle kit, Toy-Con Kit 3. That was recently announced, so we're going to be bringing that up a little I drove bit later. It to work today. Did you? <laughs> no, it's <laughs> not possible. Can't drive uh, in the rain. <laughs> yeah. There's some uh, suspicion behind uh, Dark Souls Remastered. Allegedly, it could be delayed uh, Ooh, into no spoilers into October. Yeah, if you haven't played the game yet, no. Um, and then, uh, yeah, there's a really cool Metroid Prime uh, Unreal Engine 4 demo that I'm really excited to share with you guys. Uh, the Hori Joy-Con D-pads are, of course, back in the news. And then, uh, like I said before. We're going to touch on Salt and Sanctuary as far as Go Vacation, Overcooked 2. And then in the second half of the show, we have some very special guests here from We Are Fuzzy. Uh, we're going to talk about Sleep Tight, ask them some questions, find out a little bit more about the game and what it's all about. But before we get into all of that stuff, let's go ahead and talk about Nintendo mm -hmm. selling crazy big uh, this first fiscal year. But um, the craziest thing is... What, what year is it? It's 2018? This is the year 2018. It's 2018, and the NES was the best-selling console in the month of June. It outsold mm -hmm. PS4, outsold Xbox One, and Switch, apparently, too, which is insane. Yep. It's really the cool. NES Classic. Yeah. Uh, I, I tweeted about this, and <laughs> people are not happy about that. They're really upset about it. First of is all— Is it because people are still having troubles getting them, or like, what, what's no, the backlash? No, no, no. Well, the, so the, the backlash specifically is that people— don't think it's a console. They don't. They don't think it should be counted against other what? things. Well, yeah, exactly. Well, because you can't install games on it or add new games to it. They well, think it's legally. objectively a console, <laughs> right? It's, it's a video game yeah. that plugs into your TV. That's a console. With it's a, a video game system, yeah. right? That's what the S stands the, for. Yeah, I was going to say. Yes. Yeah. Um, it's also people are kind of moving the goalposts, saying it's sixty dollars. The sun was in my eyes. You know, there's all these excuses about why why other consoles lost. It look. I'll put it this way. I understand console wars. I understand what it's like to buy one system and fight to the death for it until the next system comes out i did that during the nas era you know to my the idiots that bought a master system they're trying to justify that garbage back then <laughs> find me in the streets but nowadays it's like it's okay it's okay for for all of these things to be successful the the ps4 has sold tens of millions of units right the xbox one less so uh but still immensely popular the switch is is killing it yep and so the nas classic had very sort of viable stock available for the first time since it was right, originally since launched. 2016. You, yeah, since you could yeah. buy one originally. And uh, people bought a lot of them. And so NPD, which is the, the, the best tracking tool we have for hardware and software sales in North America, tracked the sales of these systems. Systems. <laughs> <laughs> and they said that the NES Classic outsold the Switch, the Xbox One, and the PS4 in terms of sheer 
units sold. Right. I don't know about um, market percentage or what that means in, ter- in terms of uh, sort of profit margins. Like- well, I think PlayStation 4 is still by far the leading profit. Oh, of course. Pro- yeah, yeah, most well, profitable console. N- depends. I, d- I actually couldn't tell you what Sony profits off of each unit sold for the PS4, but I can imagine and surmise that the NAS Classic is incredibly cheap to make because mm. it has no disc drive, no yeah. fan, no moving parts, um, really nothing at all. It's, it's basically like a Raspberry Pi. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say, it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a motherboard and yeah. a bunch of ROMs. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. And some controllers. Yeah. And they saved all that money on the cords. The craziest yeah. thing about this whole thing to me is that <laughs> they re-released the NES Classic on June 29th. Yeah. Which yeah. means that it was... And the, I believe the fiscal... Or the the first quarter of the fiscal year ended... Um, or no, I guess it was just the last like two days of the month. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. So MPD tracks the entire thirty day span, and right. they're usually like four or five weeks late, which is why we're reporting these numbers now because we just get them about a month and change so, later. So in just those few days, it just skyrocketed. In two in days, sales. it beat it beat actual real consoles, <laughs> which is nuts. Yeah. yeah um, I mean, I think that this is like. I, I don't think this is something that we're going to see over and over again every time they flood yeah. the market with these because this, to me, feels like a make good. Yeah. Like, it's all those people that have been clamoring to get one since they were such a scarcity in 2016. Mm-hmm. Like, now that they're readily available and they're they're out on the market, people are like, finally, I can get one. I can't imagine that month over month it's going to be, like, millions of people scrambling to buy the NES right. Mini. Right, Yeah. Well, yeah. I think you had a lot of people buying, like, five or six of them, too, trying to flip them. And I bought nine. Yeah, Did I you? nine of them. Yeah, I'm going to make all... a jacket out of them. That's yeah. good, because you won't yeah. be able to sell them on eBay. No. Yeah, I think... Th- but I think keep it's... me warm. <laughs> I think it's really kind of just a, a product of Nintendo strategy when the NES Mini uh, first came out. Yep. And that they had this scarcity model where there wasn't that much and demand just kept growing and growing and growing and they stopped, they stopped selling it. And now all of a sudden they're, they're making them again and right. just the floodgates have opened. I you totally won't agree. See, like you won't see this with the SNES Classic because there's been a, like a pretty steady right. trickle of those. Right. Mm-hmm. right. You know, it's, like, it's not like they're going to release a, a hajillion of those and those are going to skyrocket through the roof because people have been able to get those right. like pretty steadily. Well, interestingly, enough i mean I, I i think obviously it shows that nostalgia sells very clearly but if you look at the top 10 <laughs> song, oh yeah definitely but it, like uh, so there was a backlash to this because people were just like oh it's just like a cheap n- nostalgia ploy if you look at the top 10 best-selling games in the mpd this month strictly on software eight out of ten of them make them too well no eight out of ten of them are based on ips that have existed for somewhere between 10 and 30 or 40 50 years yeah you know like stuff like god of war which is obviously a remake mm-hmm. um has you know has a couple of moments in it that go like hey remember yeah you know um <laughs> remember when we did this mario tennis is the best was the best selling game of the month there's also lego incredibles which is uh based on like what 60 year old toys and a 10 year old movie like it, or a new movie that's based on a 10 year old movie so i mean everything in there is old uh the only things that were new are uh the crew which is based on cars which have been around for thousands of years still counts <laughs> still counts <laughs> and uh Beyond or what's it called? Uh, Detroit becomes. Detroit, yeah, yeah. Yep. So, yeah. yeah. Detroit cracked top ten, huh? Yeah. Surprising, right? It was Way number to go, 10. David Cage. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so speaking of Nintendo Switch sales, or just Nintendo sales in general, uh, Nintendo's first quarter results are officially in, and the Switch has sold 1.88 million units for the first quarter, which brings the total number of units as of their reports earlier to 19.67 million, which is just under 20 million. It's it's an incredibly high number. You know, there's no doubt that the Switch is selling well. Um, but Nintendo did go out and say, that their stretch goal or their goal for this entire fiscal year is 20 million units. Yeah. Which is a lot, especially when you're comparing that they couldn't break 2 million units within this first quarter. So I think they're really going to need 
to sort of fill out the uh, fall their fall lineup or their winter lineup just with some heavy hitters to really reach mm-hmm. that 20 million number. And so I want to pose a question to the chat and also to my hosts here. Do you still think that it's possible for Nintendo to hit that 20 million goal uh, with of Switch sales for this fiscal year? And what would it take to boost those sales to get them to 20 million? Which, to it, clarify, I believe that ends March 2019, right? Right, okay. exactly. And so those, that 2 million is just counting since March. Since year. March, because the Switch released March 3rd of 2017. So, yeah. If only there was a hotly anticipated game coming out at the end of the year that would bring together all of Nintendo's fan bases. <laughs> yes, that one. Super Smash Brothers. No, I, I think uh, I think Super Smash Brothers is going to be the game because people are going to bring that to you know right. their friends' houses. Friends that don't have Switches maybe are going to come over. They're going to play it, have a great time, and they're going to go home and they're going to think, oh, man, it'd be real great if I can get a Switch and practice so I can <laughs> beat uh, Philip, who keeps mm-hmm. inviting me over to play. <laughs> I completely agree. I think that you know Smash is going to obviously sell a lot of Switches. There's no doubt that Pokemon is also going to drive a lot say, of Switch sales. Say, like, but yeah, more I, don't, so. I just don't know is, if those two titles are strong enough, though. Pokemon is a, is a proven system seller. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Like Time and time again, like... The uh, majority of of Game Boy and Game Boy Advance and 2DS, 3DS like sales are directly correlated yep. to to releases around Pokemon games. Totally like true. you put those games on like not the, the one two punch of like uh, let's go Pikachu, let's go Eevee, and then the promise of a brand new like built for Switch Pokemon game. And if by some off chance, I don't think that it will, but that game is, is coming in the next fiscal year. Mm-hmm. Like they'll definitely cross twenty million. Mm-hmm. To be devil's advocate, though, uh, do you think that because Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu, Let's Go Eevee is not that traditional Pokemon game, do you think that no Pokemon will stand will have the same pull? I think I, that they're I think they're they're going to lean more into the fact that to Brian's point about nostalgia, like I think marketing wise, they're going to lean more into the fact of hey, this is a remake of those first Pokemon games that you really loved, mm-hmm. right? Like. I think that that is going to be their self, like return to what's the the re- Kanto, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Like return to Kanto on in these games, like I don't know. It just seems to make way more sense to me than than trying to like the the Pokemon Go integration is more I've, more of a bonus. I feel like yeah. yeah, it is going after the Pokemon Go crowd as well, which is another sort of untapped market. It's it's tough to say if if people playing Pokemon Go on their phones constantly are the same type of people that will run out and buy a three hundred dollar console yeah, and held right. You think if Andrew Goldfarb didn't own yeah, a Switch, yeah. he would like run out and buy one for this? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, but if well. he didn't own a Switch, I'd be like, what are you doing working here, dude? <laughs> That's true. Um, the, the majority of the sales for all hardware always is, is Black Friday, right? It's the right. fall. So yep. we'll see what happens then. I think Nintendo has a chance if they, if, they push, if they push out a bundle this fall that has something that people really care about, uh, bundled with the Switch, possibly. I don't think they need a price drop, but it, even just do one of those things where for three hundred and twenty-five dollars or something, you get you get both. Well, you know what they're um, pushing out a bundle of characters in Super Smash mm-hmm. Brothers Ultra. Yeah, Ultra. <laughs> oh, Ultimate. <laughs> Ooh, Here's yeah. the thing, though. I'm hear about that. Be one. nice, comments. <laughs> be nice. That's the first week of December, though. That's, yeah, that's way past Black Friday. Well, so. it's not. I wouldn't say way past. That's what you're talking about, like six days. Black Friday is a day. Yeah. So they could, any they, day that isn't that day. Is way past. Is way past that day. Like, I'm not going to argue chronology with you, but okay. do you yeah. guys think that they'll do? You, like you give a, somebody a Valentine's Day present a week late. You tell me how 
ish goes. At your hey, house. baby. <laughs> it's February 20th. It's much easier to get a reservation tonight. <laughs> do you guys think that they'll do uh, like a Smash bundle or like Pokemon bundles? Um, I had someone uh, reach out to me on Twitter for question block question, and I, I'm so sorry. Your name escapes me right now. But uh, they did crazy ask. Eddie. Cra- it was crazy, Eddie. Thank you, Eddie, uh, once again for sending in your questions. Uh, NBC podcast. Um, so, yeah, they were asking, like, will we see you know, more special edition Joy-Cons coming in this year. Uh, so this, you know, would be a good opportunity to you know, launch some, you know, Pikachu yellow Joy-Cons or whatever yeah. with the Switch. We've seen them do similar things for ARMS and Splatoon with themed Joy-Cons. I don't think that they'll get crazy, crazy themed with it, but I don't see, know. Do, the, you, do you see bundles coming? Oh, in? yeah, definitely. I, yeah. But I, I think fundamentally the Joy-Con thing is great for us because you can customize your system on the cheap. But in terms of sales for, like, uh, hardware, they kind of screwed up. Because right. like Pears bought like 15 3DSs and 2DSs, and he's got all these Joy-Cons, but they don't count as another Switch unit sold. Right, so if they yeah. just put out like a Pokemon Switch, and he's like, oh, I gotta buy it, like he wouldn't he wouldn't need to just get the Joy-Cons. So, That's true. But I think I think we'll see bundles. I don't think we'll see one with Pokemon yet. I think I, I think you'll see one with something that's been out for a while, something like Cart or something like Zelda. Like uh, I mean, like gold Joy-Cons and a Breath of the Wild thing for this fall. Would be fantastic. Yeah, yeah, you know? I totally agree. Which, by the way, Mario Kart Eight Deluxe uh, sold ten point three five million units in total sales for the Switch when Nintendo released their full sales numbers, which is insane because that's a Wii U port. Yeah, that's right. amazing for a game that yeah. has already been out for a long time, and it's on track to possibly pass uh, Super Mario Odyssey, which is standing at eleven point seventeen yeah. million mm-hmm. units. And you know, I think that's a really good sign for Smash Brothers because yep. even yeah. though Smash Brothers is not a a port of the the Wii U version, you know it's it's very similar and it's it's getting that audience that missed out on the Wii U, yeah. but still really love Smash. Like I think the uh, the GameCube version of Smash Brothers, uh, Super Smash Brothers Melee, mm-hmm. is still one of the most popular uh, Smash Brothers games out there. Yep, and well, there's very a very good chance that a lot of the people who were super into that game on the GameCube maybe missed out on the Wii version or maybe you know missed out on the Wii U version also. Well, yeah, we're talking so. about we're talking about nostalgia and brand loyalty again. You know what I mean? Like these are known franchises that that like you're saying people may have missed out on, but it's like, oh, I have this new system and there's a Mario Kart game and Mario Kart is a known quantity more even more so than probably Legend of Zelda to people. So yeah, it yeah. makes way more sense that, that people would cash in on that. Yeah. Yep. Totally agree. This episode of Nintendo Voice Chat is sponsored by Gamefly, the best way to buy and rent your favorite games. Gamefly.com gives you access to 9,000 titles, which are mailed directly to your door. For one monthly fee, you can play the latest and greatest games for as long as you want with no late fees or due dates, ever. When you get tired of a game, all you have to do is mail it back and they'll send you the next title on your list. That means you can get Mario Odyssey, collect all 999 Power Moons, visit Peach in every kingdom, and place an impossible-to-find Luigi balloon before swapping games. It is awesome. And now, Gamefly is offering movie rentals as well. Today, every Nintendo Voice Chat listener gets access to a free premium 30-day trial by going to Gamefly.com slash voice chat. That premium trial lets you rent two titles at the same time, and you get it by going to Gamefly.com slash V-O-I-C-E-C-H-A-T. That's Gamefly.com slash voice chat. Check it out. Here we go! So, Nintendo announced a new Labo vehicle kit. 
uh, last week, which is really cool. I mean, we all we've seen some of these toy cons in actions in action before, just kind of like uh, in Nintendo's quick teaser trailer for Labo. I don't know if you guys remember. I actually like, didn't the, piece that together. The You're joystick right. thing, yeah, and, like, yeah, the, yeah. the weird oh, thing. We yeah, were trying yeah. to figure out like, is that a periscope? Turns out <laughs> it's a submarine. Um, and then the one Joy-Con or Joy-Con Toy-Con that um, is still sort of a mystery is the bird because that's obviously not in the vehicle kit. Thought that was interesting to point out. But yeah, we do have some uh, B-roll of the trailer if you guys want to pull that up. It looks pretty cool. Apparently, they're going with a slightly uh, sort of different approach with this. One complaint that I have about the other uh, Toy-Con kits is that just when you insert a, a Joy-Con into the cardboard, it kind of feels like you could possibly Ooh. break it, like popping it yeah. in and out. So what you just saw there, if you're watching the video podcast, is um, the, the child put a Toy-Con inside of a cardboard key. A boy. Uh, a boy, a young boy. Um, and so they have this Toy-Con key thing that makes it much easier to just kind of on the fly switch vehicles. Yep. Uh, and I think it's a really cool thing. This this to me looks like pilot wings uh, a little bit, you know, yeah, I know, just sort of like how it mechanically works. Uh, but they're incorporating Labo into it, which looks like a lot of fun. It kind of also has Go Vacation vibes I to kinda it. I kind of wish they just put this game on Switch with Contro controller. I know that defeats the entire functionality and purpose, but it, <laughs> it just does. looks like a fun world to play. Yeah. I no. Just, I just wish this game this underwater tractor. This game this exists. I just wish that this existed when I was a kid. Yeah. Because yeah. I oh, would, wow. Look, they got Jeff Goldblum in here. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm wondering. Uh, you know, I'm asking the chat and also the panelists. I know Brian, you picked up Labo. Uh, would you be interested in picking up the vehicle kit just to kind of mess around with it, see what it's all about? So, like I've said this before, but my issue with Labo is that I don't know what to do with the kits once I'm done with them because I mm -hmm. don't really feel like playing the games more. But building them is an absolute blast. Yeah, like it's really really fun to build those kits. Right. The interactive menus are really fun. The software is great. Um, I had a really good time just messing with the piano and doing like crazy weird music stuff with it. But when you're done with like a steering wheel. I don't really have anywhere to put that, and I can't just donate it to somebody because they also need a switch and everything else. And I've also removed one of the best elements of that, which was the building aspect. Right. You know, it's like hand. If I even like 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 Lego, you can display. You know, I have some like Lego that I built at home that I've displayed like the Millennium Falcon. It's like an awesome kit. Um, not the eight hundred dollar one, but someday I'll get I'll get that living room pair has uh, with that GM money. But in the meantime, like I just have cardboard kits and I brought them into work and I put them under my desk and they just sit there and eventually they'll get thrown out. So. No, for me personally, I I won't be uh, won't be buying another one. Yeah, I'm the same way. Like I I'm really intrigued by it. I love putting Labo stuff together. I had so much fun putting the first two kits together, but now they're just kind of under my desk or yep. just shoved away in a box somewhere, and and I don't really play them that much honestly anymore because I feel like so much of the fun is the personalization aspect yep. of it and just kind of like, you know, experiencing it in that moment, and then you're just sort of ready to move on. Right. And I know there are a lot of people out there that have sort of taken uh, real advantage of like Toy Con Garage. And we've seen some really cool creations come out of that. But um, if you already have the first kits, you don't need this one to kind of keep using Toy Con yep. Garage. Yep. So yep. it'd be interesting to see uh, what happens with it. What do you think, Mitch? I feel like my thoughts on the Labo are kind of the same as my thoughts on getting a really expensive Halloween costume, <laughs> where I know that I'll enjoy it <laughs> in the moment. The, the the day that arrives that I'm supposed to wear that costume, I'm going to have a great time. Yeah. But then once that day passes, I'm just 
never going to use it again. It's just going to take up space in my closet. Right? <laughs> that, so that's Mitchell, a good way there's to nothing it. stopping you from dressing like Macho Man Randy Savage <laughs> every day of the year. Seriously, you work, I, do you, say, you work at IGN. You can wear whatever you want anytime. <laughs> yeah, like, it doesn't true. matter. Yeah, that's true. But I choose to wear wrestling shirts all the time. That's, so. that's also true. Yeah, today is a very rare exception. I, I do. I do. I am a little disappointed. Like I, I know you made a point. Like it kind of defeats the whole purpose. But now that we're into like the second, third generation of Labo software. It is kind of a bummer that that there's no buy-in without the hardware that goes along with it. Yeah. Because like now that the games are starting to look like this, like your pilot wings comparison is like, yo, well, that was you. Yeah. yeah. It's like I could definitely go for a new pilot wings. Yeah. But yeah, I don't want to build the all the contraptions that go along with it. I just want to play it. Right. And so it's like I would love to see that software engineered with the option of like, hey, are you playing with Labo or not? You know, if not, here here's this full game that you can mm -hmm. buy. Like. Yeah. I, I just don't know why they're holding back on their own IPs and not integrating Labo into those games. Like, that's where I feel like it would sell so big. You're totally right. I know? mean, if they had just called that, like, you know, well, they, they did with Pilot, Pilot Drive Wing. or whatever. Yeah. Pilot they did Drive. with Mario Kart, right? <laughs> they added Labo functionality to Mario Kart. They did, so you yeah. You could play their second best selling game on Switch with, with a cardboard steering wheel. Right. If you want to play Mario Odyssey or Breath of the Wild, I mean, that's a different conversation. I'd be interested in that. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there's some YouTubers trying to do that. They might have to incorporate, like if they ever do decide to do that, I'm sure there would be like a special Labo right. mode in the controllers. I'm still holding out for that Luigi's Mansion Poltergust Labo I kit. totally agree. Really I really want that to exist. Um, we have a poll running, but we do have to keep the show moving, so I'll come back to it. Um, and if you haven't participated in the poll, make sure you put your votes in. Uh, but it looks like, according to Amazon uh, Italy... Uh, the release date for Dark Souls Remastered, the Switch version, has been pushed back to October 1st, which is sad. It's mm -hmm. really, really just sad because I've been waiting for that game for so long. I just want portable Dark Souls, uh, and it keeps getting pushed back. Uh, it, you know, dark, the original, not the original, but Dark Souls Remastered when it released on PC and Xbox, I believe that was May 24th, mm -hmm. and then and they PS4. said summer. Mm -hmm. And now there's just all this confusion and Amazon Italy is sending out these emails. So it's like, what's going on? Um, but, you know, good news is that October 1st is just it's the first day of Q4, which means it's very much probably a placeholder date. So what know, day of the week is that? October uh, 1st? That's a great question. I have no idea. Um, but yeah, I don't know. How do you guys feel about this? Are you still like holding out for Dark Souls? Is this kind no, of like I bought it on PS4? <laughs> do you don't think you'll pick it up on Switch? No, I, I mean, having like recently replayed it, mm -hmm. it it's like I, I I too was like, man, I really want to play this portably, mm -hmm. but my desire to like replay the game in the middle of this summer lull outweighed the the idea that I wanted to do it on a portable system. Right. Yeah, and so it's just like forget it. I'm just gonna buy this now and play through it. And because at this point, like I played Dark Souls enough times that you know, I don't need to play it again on Switch. I had a kind of opposite thing where I bought the PS4 version, played the first like five or six hours, really liked it, and was just like, you know what? I want to save the rest of this game for Switch. Nice. Because I like the game's very, it's not very grindy, but it can be. And um, like you do better against bosses when you're higher level and running around and killing idiot grunt dudes in that game and getting more points and leveling up is something that's fun and mindless to do on a handheld, but when it takes over your whole TV, you're kind of like, Oh, here I am again. Yeah. So, what if? Um, uh, how does it work with the um, the pausing though? You know what I mean. Like when you when you exit out to the home screen in 
on a PlayStation. Mm. Like, don't you just get killed by the enemies that are in the game anyway? Like, doesn't that world still exist despite the fact that you've walked out of it? Like, what happens when you put your Switch to sleep if you're in the middle of a grind session? I don't know. because That's they such a good question. Yeah, yeah, they would have to override the entire suspend system. And we know that system. it doesn't work. Like, Fortnite freezes your whole system when you pause it in the middle right. of a match like it, that. Well, it disconnects you effectively. Yeah. From from the internet. Well, Zach had a really bad experience. It, it's happened to a lot of people, actually. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. So I don't know if it's been patched out, but like that—that that was a thing with Fortnite. Like, if you, you know, if you had to like run out while you're in the middle of a match and you just hit that that sleep button, mm -hmm. you'd come back and your switch was just locked up. So. I just crouch behind a tree and walk away and hope for the best. Yeah, that's what I did with Fortnite. Cause I, I played. The I most just thought you meant just in real life. <laughs> <laughs> no, I played most of my most of my Fortnite matches while my right after my my baby was born. You know, so I she would start crying and I'd be like. I hope I don't get shot and just put the system down and then go pick her up and then go back and be like, ah, I'm alive. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a really good point, though, because I think one of the most important things about Dark Souls is that you can't pause it. Right. Yeah. Like it, it you're you're always in that stressful situation of if you're in a boss fight, there's no just like pausing and being like, OK, let I'll me, let me later, formulate yeah. a, a plan here. Yeah. Um, Maybe that's why the game keeps getting delayed. They're yeah. Like, oh, we didn't think of that. Yeah. <laughs> I think uh, like, Philip, you were saying that. uh it was it was it was sad. I'm like it's sad, but it's also kind of alarming. I think mm -hmm. um, because it's like why this this is a game that when it was released uh, back in 2000, I don't remember 13, 13 yeah 12, uh, 2013, I think it didn't run all that well on on the platforms that came right. out. Did a good yeah. chug, totally. Yeah, yeah. 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 Blight Blight Town was uh, was notorious for really bad frame rate chugs it would drop yeah. real low which yeah, is teams, well, and yeah. in this game like when you're you're basically like examining frame by frame animations and looking for hit boxes and that detection has to be right was like a real blight on the <laughs> game itself but you know like on the playstation version that's much better like that's yeah. the version i played through most recently and it's it's you know all but fixed right so i could easily see them having to hold for the switch if the switch is chugging at all like yeah yeah. And it's a remastered version, so wouldn't you like not expect that game? It still game looks like butt. Like it's the, even the remaster looks butt. It's not <laughs> a pretty. It's not a pretty. Very game. muddy, and like all yeah. the characters are like. Even on PS4 Pro, it's, it's just a lot of very just turdy textures. Yeah, it's just, just get out there and fight a bunch <laughs> of turds. Just real poopy turds. Yeah. Well, I know that we we did have some editors uh, that went and played Dark Souls Remastered. I think at PAX and maybe mm -hmm. a couple other events. And they on the Switch? Switch on Switch. Yep, in uh, Blighttown. Not, no, I don't think they made it to Blight Town. Uh, that's a little that's the further in the game. But um, yeah, no, they uh, they said it runs well. They came back with nothing but good things to say about it. So it's weird that it's happening uh, or allegedly happening, but we still have no official word yet. So stay tuned uh, and you know keep it here on IGN for when that news does break, mm -hmm. if it does. Um, but let's go ahead and jump over to this Metroid Prime sort of fan art uh made in Unreal Engine 4 and please yeah please roll this b-roll because it's so cool it's really jaw-dropping and this is from a youtuber his name is Milky Max I'm gonna wow. drop Whoa, his I haven't uh, seen this yet. yeah I'm gonna drop his uh information in the description down below so check out his channel uh give him a sub too because he's, he's putting some good content out but yeah this is essentially just uh you know Metroid Prime made in Unreal Engine 4 and he made it all by himself apparently it looks absolutely gorgeous yeah, I, if, if I you're would just freak listening, out if you're just 
listening to the show, go please go it. look this up. It's it's stunning. Yeah, if you're driving right now, whenever you get to where where you want to go, stop, pull out your mm-hmm. phone, and YouTube this video right now. Just look up Metroid Prime in Unreal Engine 4. M- maybe not wherever you are. Like if you're in like a, an intersection or something, don't pull out your phone and yeah. watch this yeah. video. No, no, no. When you park and you know. I also shout out to the the team behind the scenes for this lower third that says Unreal Prime Time. <laughs> <laughs> um, good job, Jordan. This uh this is great. It also kind of sucks because the Switch version of Metroid Prime 4 will not look this good. I know. Well, I mean, we we don't know what it's going to look like. It's not going to look this okay. good. Mm. This yeah. this is probably running on a good to pretty good uh specked out PC, yes. I would say. Yes. Yeah. Um the Switch, you know, we've seen it pull off some pretty impressive graphics. I, you know, I doubt it'll look this good, but if we get something that looks a little bit like this, like it's going in this sort of more realistic direction, totally. I would be thrilled. Yeah. Because I'm just sort of worried that, you know, when we do finally see Metroid Prime 4 gameplay that maybe we won't be as sort of, I don't know, excited about the art style that you the Nintendo decided to go with. Force-y? I that's what my biggest fear is. I don't want it to be too there's, tuned. There's no way that they're gonna go with that style for for like it's gotta be something akin to to what the originals were. Yeah. Well I'll tell you what though like, that far. Nintendo is definitely not gonna release a first party, you know, title that runs or caps out at five forty P on your T V like yeah. you know, Wolfenstein and mm-hmm. Plus, um, you Doom. Know, Nintendo's never been really known to do like Crazy divergent uh, visual looks for any of their uh, flagship games. Not. Yeah, they don't really. That's do not in their wheelhouse, stuff, especially yeah. not on the GameCube. Yeah. yeah. Um, thank you. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I'm back on the Destiny grind, gearing up for the the expansion, and uh, oftentimes when I'm playing that game, it's like, man, I really wish I was playing Metroid Prime. <laughs> and this does it to me even more so. Like this yeah. looks so good. Yeah. It's, it's I amazing. could really go for a replay of these games. It's amazing. Maybe one and three. Mm-hmm. The the Metroid Prime series to me has always been associated with like really good art direction on underpowered hardware, mm-hmm. and this is like now the hardware is catching up to to the art direction. It's just like blowing my mind right now. Yeah, yeah. If you turn into a ball right there, you could go up and get a missile power. Yeah, up. yeah, yeah. Looks really cool. By the way, our Labo Vehicle Kit Three poll results are in. Uh, I asked you guys who's going to be picking it up, or will you be picking it up? Ninety-eight uh, percent said no. It's crazy. Fifty-nine <laughs> percent said nah. I'm good, thanks. Uh, but you know that's. Nearly 40% of you, or 40% of you, saying that you will. So good on you, Nintendo fans. Uh, I'm pretty I, sure that 40% just forgot to vote. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm still going to be buy it. Despite what I said, I'm going to go out. I'm going to get it. I want to see what it's all about, and I'm sure it's going to be a lot of fun. I can't wait to play with my boy. Um, so let's go ahead and move on over to our leading games, because we have 12 minutes until we have to change over to our second segment. Uh, Salt and Sanctuary, out on Switch. This week, which is really exciting. Now, Mitch, you uh, you did the review for this one for the Switch version. I did. Yeah, I, I added on to the review that was already right. Yeah, this exactly. is our pick of the week, right? It's our pick of the week. Oh, yes, yeah. absolutely. What and what do you think? How do, how do you feel? Like it, I've heard a lot of people compare this game to Dark Souls. Do you feel like that's accurate? So I feel like the comparisons to Dark Souls are, are have kind of gotten out of hand a little bit. Yeah. That being said, I think there's a handful of games that truly yes. are Souls like. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, and I think Salt, Salt and Sanctuary is within that handful. Yes. Okay. Uh, it is literally, if you were to design a Dark Souls game and you were to say, what if it was 2D? That's what Salt and Sanctuary would be. Um, it kind of follows the same, the same basic principles as Dark Souls in that there's a very, uh, very minimalist story. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a kind of slow and methodical combat system. That's very hem- heavily emphasized on uh, like dodging and a stamina meter, uh, stamina management. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and yeah, there's just a bunch, like the similarities would take more time than we have in the, in the segment to, right. to go over. Right. Um, but yeah, it, and even though it has all these similarities, I think the, the cool thing about Salt and Sanctuary is that it still manages to carve out its own identity, mm. even within all that, because it's a 2D game, so you can do a lot of things that you normally wouldn't do in a Dark, uh, Dark Souls game, like mm-hmm. having these crazy platforming segments where, like, it's Mega Man-style platformings appearing and disappearing. Nice. Um, yeah, I was going to ask you, like, sort of, you know, because I, I love this game. I've been playing a lot of it on Switch. Uh, so what, what, what do you think are sort of the main advantages of this art style? Because I know when you're playing the 3D Dark Souls games, you can kind of just run around a bad guy and in this game you have to roll directly through them yeah which means there always is that chance that they'll kill you but on top of the platforming and stuff like what do you think the 2d element adds to the to the gameplay here uh i think it really it really adds the the metrovania aspect to it like there's Mm -hmm. a there's a lot of uh power-ups and upgrades that you get that allow you to to progress further in the game through a mechanic that you gain um so like i was saying like, and that's an attribute that Soul sort of got away from outside of the first one, right? Like, right. Right. like the the first Dark Souls, like the thing that everybody says about that game is like the map is so brilliant because it folds in on itself or it like reveals itself to you in a way that's really smart. Um, two and three are less so that way. So that that that's the thing about Salt and Sanctuary that actually interests me. Um, just the idea that it, it is more of a Metroidvania. You can like explore all these alternate routes. It, and It yeah. does have a lot of those kind of aha moments where you beat a boss and you turn a corner and you open a door and you're like, oh, I'm back at the start of the game and now I have like a quick, yeah. sort of like a fast travel like tunnel to get to where I want to get to. Yeah, the, the world is definitely designed in that there's a lot of uh, like one-way shortcuts yep. where you come back, you open a door, and now you're, you're back in an, a familiar area. And yeah. maybe you have a new power-up that allows you to get to somewhere else that you weren't able to get to before. And we should stress that if you're not familiar with this genre of game, uh, it's very difficult. So it's, yeah, friggin' it's, hard. I was I will say this is is this is one of the tougher games in in in, in this genre. Yeah, um, man. Also, the way the system works is you get out in the world, you level up and stuff like that. Uh, when you get hit or when you die, you drop all of your salt, and you need to go back to retrieve it. Uh, if you die on way on your way to get that, it's gone forever. Yeah. So, and your salt is brought back to your bonfires, which are used to upgrade various uh, sort of like stats and staminas and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, Th- thank you, by the way, for cutting right before I died. <laughs> that's, really, that's really important. Yeah, I don't think you died in any of that B-roll. Yeah, that that was that was my first uh, 17 minutes. I bl- I believe I died just as they cut mm-hmm. away. So, <laughs> and good so job. you have a you have a variety of different starting classes you can choose from. There's all these different ways you can sort of kit out your character and uh, choose sort of ranged weapons or magic weapons or heavy weapons and stuff like that. Um, there's different rings that change your attributes and everything. So it's a very customized game, you know? Like, you can play it in the same way when you start with Dark Souls and you pick a gift and you pick a class and mm-hmm. stuff like that, and you do a completely different run-through as a different character type, it feels and plays different. So yeah. I think that if you really get into this game, it'll, you know, sort of implore you to replay it a bunch and and find your best build. Yeah, and going back to the things that, you know, set its identity apart from Dark Souls, it has a really interesting level-up system where... When you level up, you don't actually improve your stats. You get a uh, what's it's like a sphere. I forgot what the actual. It's like a purple sphere, and you then can take that into kind of a Final Fantasy style uh, grid system, and basically your your starting class determines where you where you start on that grid. On the sphere, yeah, yeah, and it's just a very interesting and uh, like clever take 
on character progression that I've, I haven't really seen uh, in any other game of the of a similar yep. style. Totally agree. So yeah, that's Salt and Sanctuary. It's seventeen ninety nine. What it's out today? What did you end up giving it? So I I just added the the switch update because right. it's it's a straight port, and I agree with the score. It was yeah. a eight point six, I believe. Okay. that Leaf Johnson gave it. Cool. So mm. you would say that you're a real saltsman. <laughs> <laughs> Good night, everybody. I'm not even going to respond to that. I'm not going to dignify it with the response. <laughs> oh, that was good. Okay, so uh, as you know, every week we have a pick of the week here on NVC, and sometimes we have a skip of the week. Uh, and this week, our skip of the week is Final Light, the prison. And oh boy, is this a skipper. Um, <laughs> we have some B-roll of this. I think you guys will, will quickly begin to understand uh, once we pop it up. But essentially, this is a procedurally generated Metroidvania uh, that's done Another by... Another one? Yeah, yeah. Jesus. I know. They're on the rise of popularity. It's done by... Um, it's done by a company that typically works with DSware titles. Uh, and I'm, I think this is actually also on 3DS, which is why it looks like that. Okay. Wow. Um, but yeah, like so it does some interesting things. Like you could see, like you got stuff flying at the screen. I kind of appreciate the way the camera slightly changes when you're Some when you're in slider. combat but if you're listening to the uh just the audio portion of the podcast it's essentially a 2d side scroller uh they call it a metroidvania but from what i've played of it this is not a metroidvania it's right. very very linear you're just kind of running in one direction uh, and occasionally you'll find a branching pathway that quickly leads to a dead end but you play as this like mutated Baraka looking guy from Mortal Kombat that yep. kind of looks like a student project that they never finished. Um, and it controls very, very sloppily. Like you, you go throughout the game, you quickly find powers, but none of the powers really are that efficient because you can just literally walk up to dudes and mash the, the B button until they're dead. Also for a 2D game, I feel like the camera is like out of control, like mm -hmm. zooming in and out on stuff. It's, it's very like, like MTV sports. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And if you guys could hear it, uh, the, just the music is very weird. Every Every single Wait. time you pick up like a like a collectible or something important, it goes hallelujah, right. like like the classic hallelujah choir, okay. and, th and that happens about every ten to fifteen seconds. I, I've Perfect. had some NVC listeners kind of ask, "Hey, why do you guys even do a skip of the week?" And the answer to that is just to save you money, because if there's a chance that you're going to buy one game this week. Um, this should not be it. No, yeah, I totally Let's agree. Let's just say that you're like a real tough dude with a ponytail and you love <laughs> a good butt rock and you see this game and you're like, yeah, boy, I'm going to buy that game. Don't. Don't do it. Yeah. Don't just buy Salt Don't do Sanctuary. any of those things I just mentioned. Salt Sanctuary <laughs> is way more metal for your ponytail. What's butt a butt rock? I mean, <laughs> look it up. Um, it's, it's funny because I'm looking at this and I'm like, man, the, the movement and the way he like he goes down uh, uh, under the platforms really quick, it's kind of reminding me of Dead Cells. I know, yeah. Uh, Shh. How dare you? Don't, don't <laughs> well, say those two I'm, games I'm in the same. Sentence. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, if you if this looks good, just get Dead Cells instead. Yeah, <laughs> Dead Cells comes out next week. I would hi highly recommend you just save your money for that. Um, yeah, we are doing a two-hour live stream of that game on Monday. Yep, Philip and I. So yep. come on, we're doing a two-hour NVC podcast next week about I, it. Because I wish we could. Yeah. Hachi machi. <laughs> There's yeah, a lot. We can't talk about uh, our review impressions or anything, but I will say that game. You didn't say. You didn't say anything. That's the point. Yeah, <laughs> can't, jump, can't jump an embargo if you don't say anything. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> All right, we have a couple more minutes, so we're going to talk about one, maybe two more games. Uh, Brian, what do you want to talk about? Overcooked? Uh, or we can do whatever you want. We can do Overcooked Two real quick. We can do Go Vacation. Let's do both. All right, cool. Overcooked Let, Two. Let's start with Overcooked Two. Uh, that's another game that's coming out next week, August seventh. But we can say whatever we want to say about it. Cool. Yeah, it's uh, a blast. We played a bunch of it, Mitchell. You yeah. played it too. Yeah, right? it's a great yeah. game. I like it a lot. It's very uh, similar I, to Overcooked One. I, I have yet to play it, but uh, I love the. 
wacky scenarios in which you're overcooking. Yes. You know, I, yeah. I think that it looks really fun. I played over the original Overcooked just a little bit, but every time I sat down to play it, it was a blast. And yep. This looks like even more frantic and fun. So. I will say what what is new in this game is the the, the new mechanic, uh, which is you can throw raw food. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just not like in real life. Not plates, not pots, not cooked food. You can toss raw food at each other, at your friends, uh, which is helpful and hurtful. It's uh, chaotic. You can basically... And hilarious. It, and hilarious. Yeah. You can just like flood somebody's raft with potatoes <laughs> or just throw raw chicken into the sea like an uh, idiot. If if you're interested in Overcooked 2, there is a just supremely funny Let's Play out of the UK of Overcooked mm -hmm. 2 yeah. where Gab Murphy does all of those things and more yep. that you're describing where he's just trolling everybody else. It's, it's really, really fun. It's really fun. I, I love the versus mode in this game. Yeah. Like we, we did a Let's Play of it too here uh, this week, I believe, right? Um, Brendan kept stealing your tomatoes. Yeah, we were just like trolling <laughs> each other, uh, which is really cool. Like, you can confuse other players if you just make the wrong dish, you know, put it to use and just give it to the other team and confuse them and have them get a wrong order. I, I would say they've, they've also sort of upped the zaniness factor of the way the levels kind of like evolve. Um, I was playing a level last night uh, with, in two player, which I think is kind of the sweet spot for that game. Four player is really fun, but it's just impossible to coordinate everybody because people will always troll and, and just, you know, throw raw chicken in the sea. Yeah. Um, <laughs> who, was, who was the second player? Your baby? Yeah, my baby, my cool. newborn baby. Yeah, she, right. was, she was terrible. Really good. Early start. Um, <laughs> so I was playing a hot air balloon level, and the hot air balloon kept catching on fire. Yeah. And this was like in the second or third world in the game. And the, halfway through the level, we were like making like like fried chicken, and the the level crashed into an earlier level, <laughs> and just like. I landed in the sushi shop that I had started out the game in, yeah. and I was like, I guess we're making sushi now. <laughs> it's all in one stage, and it's just pure chaos. It's really fun, and it's really goofy. So, yeah, this is there's not a ton of, like, um, sort of couch co-op multiplayer games on Switch. I wish there were more. Uh, this is one of the best. Oh, yeah, totally. Uh, August 7th for $25. If you played the first one and enjoyed it, there's no doubt that uh, you should definitely yep. pick this up as well. Um, so the next game is Go Vacation, and it's out now. It's uh, $50 on the eShop. You can get it, I think you can get it physically as well. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, this is also a game that was also available on Wii U. This I was a, yeah, I believe this is a port of a Wii game, actually. A Wii yeah. game. So this okay. was, yes. was made by Namco. It's um, basically open world Wii Sports Resort. Right, you know? that's what it feels like. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's completely hit or miss. Uh, I will say that it's like a passable, fun like kind of relaxing Saturday afternoon kind of game, but I yeah. think it's too expensive. So if this game was twenty bucks, I'd be like, sure, go for it. Mm -hmm. you, you were tweeting about this uh, yeah. <laughs> about a couple of things, and it it looks to me like there's like a Tomodachi life kind of vibe, or is that am I off? Uh, there's a little bit of that. There's like a there's a home building simulator in it, like kind of Animal Crossing. Right. Um, but uh, there's feels like hundreds of mini games in this game, and they're yeah. all incredibly simple and mm. very easy. Um, if you can get this game cheap, it's probably fun. But yeah, no, I, I totally think it's a it's a fun game. It's totally on the easy easy side. Uh, so if you have kids to play with, you know they would love it too. It's it's got a lot of really cool mini games or like fun mini games but they're all so simple it almost feels like wario wary mm -hmm. like there's you can race cars you can race jet skis you can skydive uh which actually sounds a lot cooler than it really is skydiving is just trying to <laughs> position yourself in the right spot in shadows uh you can play the entire game in motion controls uh which is fun but also just kind of annoying because i don't like playing with motion controls yep. the murphy flake 
Yeah, um, but you know, it's it's available. It's another like semi open world game. Yep. Uh, and you know, if you never played it before, I think it's worth checking out. I, I feel like it's a little overpriced, though. I'm yeah. gonna be honest. I feel yep. like this game should be like in the twenty to thirty dollar range. Totally. Agree. Um, but yeah, that's gonna be it for the first part of our show. Uh, and stay tuned for the next part where we talk to the developers of Sleep tight so thank you uh mitchell Thanks and for zach this for joining us yep absolutely we'll sorry i called smash brothers by the wrong name i know i'm gonna catch some some stuff about that That's but okay. i was thinking about uh my hero academia <laughs> okay well that makes yeah. it okay all right plus we, ultra we'll see you guys in just a few minutes Listen. and we're back with part two of nintendo voice chat joined by none other than banks Boutier and Max Berman from We Are Fuzzy. Sorry, I just wanted to make sure I got the names right perfectly because I messed it up last time. <laughs> we know, you, you, you were super close. It's Boutet. Boutet. Thanks, Boutet. I apologize. No worries. That's a great Mark your name. bingo hey, cards, hey. people. <laughs> um, all right. So, yeah, you guys are from We Are Fuzzy, and you have created this really cool and interesting game. I've never seen a game uh, do this before. It's called Sleep Tight. And it totally just captivates all the nostalgic feels of your childhood fantasies of fighting monsters in your bedroom and trying to make it through the night because everything is super scary. Um, so can you, I mean, that's my interpretation yeah. of it. But I'd love to hear like your interpretation of the game and, and what you guys have to say about it. And um, so sort of uh, how did you get the idea for it, essentially? Well, so Max and our other partner Jed mm -hmm. grew up together, and they were building pillow forts and fighting imaginary monsters in their in their kids' room, and said, you know, when we grow up, we're going to turn this into a video game. And everyone's like, sure, kids, you know, eat your vegetables, do your homework. Oh, that rules. <laughs> <laughs> and then flash forward twenty years, and and uh, Jed became a terrific programmer, and Max became an art director and a map painter, and they realized, oh my God, we could make our we game. can make the pillow fort game. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. Exactly. Have you built? pillow forts as adults? Well, I will say this. <laughs> Did you mocap a pillow fort? <laughs> Our last big water gun war that we had was like at 18 years old. So like we gave this up way too late. Right. But at right. 18, we were running through the neighborhood in cars patrolling the capture the flag points with super soakers. That rules. Yeah. That's totally awesome. <laughs> no, because I built I built a pillow fort in my apartment like two years ago. Oh, nice. awesome. I was just in like a, in a sad mood. This is personal. And no, and, uh, and my wife was like, what's wrong? And I was like, I don't know. I'm just like kind of depressed and she was like well I don't know do something stupid and I was like okay I'm gonna build a pillow fort and she went in the other room and came back out and she was like you're I was joking <laughs> yeah and I was like welcome to my yeah. home I nailed it <laughs> amazing um so but but this game is about a child constructing forts out of everyday objects and then fighting monsters and I guess what what is the story behind that where are these monsters coming from yeah so for for us we really treated this as um, we wanted everyone to connect to their own childhood. And, and part of this also is when you're a kid, the monsters are real for you. Mm. And so we wanted in this game, like this world that may look so imaginative when you look at it through adults' lenses, um, for that kid, those monsters are real. And this right. is an actual battle that they're going and, and fighting every single night. Um, and so that's really the story. And we've tried to capture these moments, especially in our cinematics and trailers that we've been doing, of just these moments of these kids preparing for this onslaught and this kind of like saving private Ryan apocalypse <laughs> now, you know, meets like Toy Story. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Max, you've worked as an art director on some more mature themed, uh, you know, games and films in the past. How has that sort of influenced the art direction of Sleep Tight? And what were some of, you know, some projects that influenced this project or some titles, maybe movies or games that you watched uh, growing up? 
Yeah, well, I think uh, for me, you know, my career is in film and in AAA games, and and I do a lot of more cinematic stuff with mm -hmm. games like Halo and Destiny, and then also shows like Westworld or Mindhunter, and those are all like really dark and gritty. And so Sleep Tight was this project that I'd be working on on nights and weekends, and I wanted to do the exact opposite of my day job. Right. Um, and I wanted that just like colorful, fun world to play in and something that just made me feel happy. So ironically, yeah. this was eating into your own sleep. Oh, yeah, completely. Yeah. Um, Max's, Max's mom has dubbed this the comfort food of video games. That's awesome. I like that a lot. I think when I first like heard about this game and learned about it, I was like, oh, this is a really interesting concept, but I'm not really crazy into sort of tower defense stuff because it feels really slow. Mm -hmm. And then I started playing it, and I was like, oh, this feels way more like Robotron or Geometry Wars or something. Like It's effectively a twin-stick shooter with the window dressing of, of a, mm -hmm. like, a sort of a, a fort-building video game yeah somewhere between that and our childhood yeah you know, we want it we want it wrapped in blankets of nostalgia and referencing all the sorts of things that we grew up with that's awesome yeah and gameplay wise you know you can play this as a total base builder and never fire a single dart and like just build the ultimate fort with turrets that kind of take care of everything or you can go the other route and just focus all of your your resources into power-ups and weapons and play this as a traditional twin-stick shooter. Wow, that's awesome. Um, you, you don't need to build a single fort to make it to mm -hmm. the top of the leaderboards here. Yeah. That's actually really cool because that's that's that leans more into, like I play a lot of Fortnite, mm -hmm. which weirdly is like a word I would use to describe your game. <laughs> um, and when I play that game, I'm mostly shooting. Like I'm bad at the building aspect of it. So the idea of playing a game like this and leveling up my character's weapons mm -hmm. to do most of the heavy lifting myself sounds really fun and really cool. We've heard some people call it pillow fortnite pillow fortnite. <laughs> brilliant so on the subject of some you know games and movies that inspired you guys uh while growing up like what were some of the games or some of your favorite games that you played and movies that you watched while growing up mm. yeah well i think for me my favorite like franchise of all time is ratchet and clank nice um i just love the the world there and the colorful fun nature of the whole thing um but also games like fable and all right. the humor that fable is able to just put into every single aspect of that game um, and some of the darker stuff. Like I love Bioshock and Halo, of course. Right, right, right. Yeah. And of course the Disney and Pixar movies, but also Spielberg stuff, mm -hmm. you know, things where, where it's about childhood nostalgia and the idea of, you know, going through your imagination. Yep. Yeah. I, I, there's a sort of like, uh, like a Muppet Babies element to this game <laughs> where they, they think they're in Star Wars and it's mm -hmm. really just like a, some pillows, and, yes. you know, like there's a somebody put a tarp over a lamp, and it's like Darth Vader uh -huh. to them. But um, I really like the moment in at the end of a round of this game where the lights come on, and it's just sort of just like this cup, glass of water to the face. You're mm -hmm. like, oh, it's everything's okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, this seemed like the most epic, intense thing, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, we're we made it through the night. We're okay. Yeah, each night is only one minute, but when you start playing it, that minute starts to feel really long. Right. The last ten seconds, you're like, oh god, I'm out of ammo. Let me just wait till the sun comes up, and then that daytime is meant to be this. I can calm down. There's no time limit. I have as much time as I want to spend my resources until I'm like mentally prepared to go through another night. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned that there's multiple like ways to play the game. You can play it more aggressively with guns or you can sort of focus on base building. How do you guys prefer to play? Do you mix it up or do you stick mm -hmm. to a certain uh, build style? Wow, that's such a good question. Well, th for the first, for the, there are there are twelve unlockable characters in the game, and each one sort of has a different play style to them. Mm. Um, and in the first eight characters, they all play a similar game mode. 
Um, and so of those characters, I really like to play with Rosie. Um, Rosie is the builder, and she is she gets extra power on her turrets and walls. And so for me, I I really get a kick out of building pillow forts and having them do a right. lot of the, the heavy the lifting you for just me. Yeah. Hang back. Exactly. That's awesome. Yeah. Which actually, that's the exact opposite of as me. I like to play as Dexter, who's like the superhero kid. Uh, he's the comic book nerd of with the game. With great power mm-hmm. comes great power. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I try to not build anything and just get a ton of power ups and uh, and like you know get the super soaker and Gatling gun and just go, go full twin stick shooter with it. Yeah, so those are literally opposite playstyles. Yeah. Right. Um, That's awesome. And how how did the sort of the monster designs come together? Like, what's what's the sort of thesis or inspiration behind those? Because they're really interesting. They they remind me of like characters you'd see on like '90s fruit snacks or something. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, the monsters. We we played with so many different designs when we were trying to find the style of the game, and we had this amazing artist from Disney who's just an old friend of mine who um, who uh, just came in and started doing a bunch of designs and at first they were really twisted and like really messed up and I was like whoa you know that's that's a little too intense and we kind of just honed it back and honed it back and kind of found this um simple you know what we wanted to do is everything in this game we wanted to cut out all the fat and make it just like um a core you know the monster should just look like in your head what every monster looks like and right. everyone's going to have a different idea mm-hmm. of that but if we can create kind of the amalgamation of all of it and the most simplified like base monster that everyone can build onto that was kind of the goal i love that that's one of my favorite parts about sleep tight too is this was really a true labor of love of two childhood friends who you know in the in the basement or in their after hours of their professional careers built this this passion project together you know and got a bunch of their friends together just for fun to make this thing that's so cool because it's like that's what every kid says they're going to do <laughs> yes. and none of them do it <laughs> yeah. they all just go up and get desk jobs you know and like that's it all right so i'm dying to know you brought a cool box yes. here with you yes we brought y'all a little gift what's inside the box what's in the box what's in the box <laughs> um so this is our limited edition monster box um nice. and within it there's a whole bunch of goodies um there's our art book there's this really awesome figurine that another one of Max's childhood buddies made with us. Um, and inside here, there's we've only made 100 of these, but there's all sorts of cool stuff. Um, and the box is is ultra ultra limited edition, which has the, the actual kid's room um, and a whole bunch of goodies in here. And we are having a contest uh, to win one of these. Awesome. Um, so a, a big part of our game is we mentioned the first eight game modes. Um, the last four game modes of the last four unlockable characters are each completely different ways to play the game. Um, and so we've, we, we knew that we kept this a, a total secret until the game launched on launch day. And so we knew that Nintendo with our new trailer was going to be announcing these additional game modes, right. uh, but we didn't tell anyone else. And then for our launch, we held a 40 hour slumber party where we had <laughs> nearly 50 of our, our close gamer buddies, um, and pro gamers, we even had some NFL guys come and and everyone in their pajamas, and it was like yeah. building mm-hmm. forts. We had bean bags everywhere, and it was just like we're doing a slumber party, and everyone's going to get to play as much of the game as possible. And if you unlock a character with a new game mode, you get to premiere it live on. You'll be the first. I, I one. think when you're an adult and you do that, it's called a bender. <laughs> <laughs> well, we we did do it in Vegas. Oh uh, we, yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and, we, yeah, and they were like, "Oh, this is perfect. We, we do this all the time." Um, That's awesome. And, like, and should so, we pull, pull out the pillow fort stuff? Because we already got do it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so we we raced the clock you know we we knew it was by 10 a.m the next morning it was gonna be announced right and and so we let you know some of these gamers announced it for themselves and we're the first persons to premiere these different game modes so cool so it's it's starting to come out a lot online because you have to kind of you have to get into the game to unlock the last four characters right and once you do the whole game changes there's there's 
a first person shooter mode mm-hmm. in this what? game. What? Uh, Operation Commando. What? Holy crap. <laughs> okay. No idea. Yeah, there's um I mean one of the characters, Picasso, he um starts with unli- like a ton of resources up front and you get to build the ultimate pillow fort, whatever you want, and then as soon as you've built everything and you're you're ready to go, night never ends. And so it's just this endless run to see wow. how long you can survive. That's terrifying. So we have a ton <laughs> of these like mix and match modes. Mm-hmm. Um, and for Picasso, what we want to do, since not a lot of people have gotten him yet, whoever gets the top score with Picasso, we'll send one of these two. Oh, that's awesome. So one, nice. one week from today, so Thursday of next week, um, if you top, uh, top you know, get an excellent score on your switch with Picasso, um, take a photo of that and uh, and tag us um, and NBC yeah on, yep. um, on Twitter and, yeah do it uh, up and yeah just send the 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 score onto Twitter and then uh, and we'll, we'll send you send one you of these bad boys awesome yeah. I'll drop uh, I'll drop we are fuzzies uh, Twitter information in the description down below so make sure you check that out if you're interested and uh, sleep tight is out now sleep tight is out now yeah it's almost a week today yeah yeah exactly. wow it's been, it's been a week yeah it's awesome and this is your first game right as a studio this is our yeah. first game how does yeah. it feel to launch a game finally you know it, it is the most incredible feeling <laughs> yeah it is yeah. it has been so overwhelming is it to like see. you're releasing your child into the world and like sort of you know yeah it's all grown Go. up <laughs> you know, yeah. if you're listening to the show you can't hear the giant smiles on their faces but they're there <laughs> it's very infectious it is just it has been overwhelming the support from the community at large and the 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 overwhelming amount of contact of people who have reached out to us and and told us that they enjoyed playing this thing that we we have put out for for everyone's pure childhood enjoyment yeah um has been one of the coolest things i've ever gotten to do are you guys you guys are big old school nintendo fans obviously right is it is it surreal to see like your you go to the switch eShop and you're like you can buy my game on nintendo (laughs) it's mind-blowing yeah (laughs) and you know and the game is about our childhood dreams and this is literally our childhood dream together so it's 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 a little too wrapped up in a bow for me to comprehend. That's yeah. so cool. That's I mean, phenomenal. You've been you've been sort of working on this game uh, for the past seven years. Uh, if I if yeah. I did my research correctly, First prototype. Yeah, that's true. And um, you know, you've been sort of working on it while still maintaining full time jobs in in mm-hmm. you know in the real world, quote unquote. <laughs> um, what advice would you have to give to any sort of aspiring game developers who want to do the same thing that you guys just did? Like, you know, what what would you tell them? Um, Patience is something I'm still <laughs> mm-hmm. trying to learn. It's a tough. Uh, but also, just for me, the most important thing every day was not that I like finished the game this month. It was just that every day I pushed the ball forward a little bit, and just doing that for a long period of time finally got to the finish line. Right. Mm. So just every day, just even if it's the smallest thing, if you make a new interface that day, or you like fix a sound effect, whatever it is, just like don't stop pushing the ball forward every single day. Mm. Nice. I got to say it's the two two things really that stick out is is positivity. You know, optimism is a choice and if you can find the light in the dark of all the situations my my mom taught me that and that I think that is the most important thing that throughout anything you're going to do success is a path of failures right. along mm-hmm. the way. And if you can push through those while maintaining a positive attitude and 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 corralling support from your your teammates and seeing something together then, uh, then you got a shot at doing something really fun. There That's, you go. That was just like fantastic life advice for pretty much everything. <laughs> that, was, that was great, guys. Cool. Well, thanks, thank thanks, you guys. Mom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank you guys so much for joining us. It was a great having you here on NBC. Finally, uh, we're really enjoying Sleep Tight, and you guys should definitely check it out. It's out now on the eShop. Uh, and how much? How much does it cost? It is uh, just about the price of a movie ticket. It is uh, fourteen ninety nine. That's awesome. Can't go wrong with that. Uh, yep. So thank you as well for 
joining us yeah. this week on NVC. We're a weekly show on IGN.com, and you can catch us live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern Time, and then the following day on Fridays, YouTube.com slash Nintendo Voice Chat at 3 p.m. Pacific as well. Uh, and we're also available on all of your favorite podcast listening services if you prefer audio only. So on behalf of everyone here, thank you all for tuning in, and we will see you next week. Bye, hey guys. Bam. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.